Hello, I'm Stuart Craner and this is a Thinkers 50 podcast. Uh, our guest today is Antonio Nieto Rodriguez, author of The Focused Organisation, the champion of project management and project managers. Antonio, you talk about project management as the lingua franca of the, the business world, the organisational world. What, what do you mean by that? Uh, hi Stuart, it's, it's a pleasure, pleasure being here with you uh, to discuss my idea. So, what I mean by the project management is the lingua franca of businesses is that um, uh, organizations are turning uh, more and more into projects. They're becoming project driven. And, uh, and what I mean is that uh, um, this is transforming the way uh, organizations are being run, the, the, the way organizations are delivering their value and the, the way people work in organizations. So I believe there's a big revolution. But if you're a leader of an organization, a CEO of a company or head of a hospital or any other organization, you probably wouldn't see your job as project management. But your argument is that that is exactly what their job is. That's correct, Stuart. What's happening and what you're telling me is, is right for the past. That has been the case. Uh, senior executives were spending most of their time uh, running the business, running the day-to-day -day operations. Targets were um, mainly short-term driven, so that's how you improve your operations. Today, as the world is going so fast, the competition is so, uh, uh, so aggressive, in order to, 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 to move and to accelerate the way you uh, uh, create value, it, there's only one choice, it's projects. And that's why senior executives, CEOs, are the ultimate project managers. They will become the ultimate project managers. And we should say that one of the projects you can't, involve, can't avoid when you're in central London is building projects, which uh, you may be able to hear in, in, in the background. So projects are kind of all pervasive in personal life as, as well as professional life. And, and yet, uh, they're not really acknowledged as such. Yeah, this is one of these strange skills that we learn uh, by mistake, we learn by trying out, but uh, very few people I come across, and I come across many senior leaders, senior executives, senior politicians, have been taught how to manage projects. It's just, uh, uh, it's just incredible when you look at the implications uh, and the amount of projects that fail, it's, it's about 50, 60%. Uh, but no wonder, nobody has taught you. Have, have you learned how to manage projects? No, I learned myself. Uh, so I think this is something that is changing. I know business schools are, are increasing the number of courses around project management. Uh, executive education is increasing the, the programs that they're delivering in project management. I teach in a few top business schools because it's highly demanded skills. And one of the things you talk about, a concept you're, you're developing, is hierarchy of purpose, which kind of makes sense of this and enables organizations to prioritize what they're doing. Can you, can you explain what you mean by hierarchy of purpose? Uh, sure, Stuart. I came to, to this concept just as an executive. I'm, I'm working for one of the largest pharma companies in the world. So what I'm telling you, it comes from the ground. It comes from the field. It's, it's something that I've experienced, that I've suffered. 
for 20 years. So this is not a theory that I came up in, in a lab. It's, it's something that I'm sure everybody experienced. So the hierarchy of purpose uh, came this concept, which is very simple, but basically I was working, I worked with, uh, in my job in a bank, in a pharma company, doing the same job. And I was helping the top executive team to prioritize uh, projects. We had 250 projects and, and we had only budget and, and capacity for 100. So how do you cut 150 projects out of 250? Um, so I was forcing the, the, the big leaders to make choices, often very painful choices. But one thing that came very clear through these years of, of uh, exercising this approach is once I was helping people to prioritize, we were actually having the strategic talk. Uh, there was no better moment in the year than when we were talking priorities and abilities to deliver uh, that we had a strategic dialogue. And, and to me that was an eye-opener because I've not seen that uh, in any book. And, and, and actually, better than a strategic retreat of two days, what I recommend here with this approach is have prioritization exercise, discuss uh, the tough problems and take tough decisions. And at the top of the, the hierarchy is a sense of purpose. That's correct. Uh, priorities don't make sense if your purpose is not clear. If your purpose is too broad or your purpose is unclear, you cannot prioritize. So I've studied many companies and the ones which are extremely focused in their purpose, very clear in their purpose, very narrow in their purpose, uh, they're much easier in their prioritization, uh, they're easier in choosing projects, they can select the right people, and they monitor performance. So there's a correlation between your clarity on purpose uh, and the rest of the organization and successful execution. Can you give me an example of a company where you think there's a clear sense of purpose which informs its sense of priorities? Uh, I, uh, it's not that I'm uh, a big fan of this company, uh, I fly a lot, I travel a lot, uh, giving conferences and, and, and talking with leaders, but uh, Ryanair, the low-cost carrier, they're extremely successful. They've turned around completely the, uh, the airline uh, market. It happened in the US with Southwest, so, but they replicate the concept. But they're so focused, their purpose is so clear. It's about efficiency, low-cost, travel for everybody. They don't sacrifice customer service for efficiency and cost. They, if they have to make a choice, the choice is clear. It's very uncomfortable as a, as a passenger because you're not treated like you're used to treat, but for me they're so clear and that's why they're so successful. So they have a clear sense of purpose that, and that informs their priorities. And the next element in the hierarchy is projects. Correct. Uh, so once you have your purpose, and like I said, the narrower, the clearer, the better, your priorities will come naturally. Uh, and, and often I believe less priorities better. You, you should not have just one because life is more complicated, business is uh, often very difficult, uh, but between customer service, efficiency, uh, you should make clear to the people if you have to choose between your customer or your or, or the efficiencies and costs, what, what's the priority? Afterwards, once you have that fixed and agreed by the executives, you choose the projects. What is going to take you to the next 
level? What is going to help you to achieve your vision and strategy? So in the hierarchy of uh, purpose, the, the first element is purpose, the second priority is 30, is projects, and the fourth element is people. So once you have the three first elements, you can think about the people. Do we have the right people? Are, are, are we well uh, equipped to deliver uh, our vision and our purpose and our priorities? And the fifth element of, of my concept, my model, is performance. You need to, to measure, you need to uh, look on how you're progressing in your execution, in your projects, in your plans. So hierarchy of purpose has five elements, purpose, priorities, projects, people and, and performance. It's an interesting way of uh, making sense of the, the organizational world. Another thing you, you, you talk about is that companies and organizations are no longer selling products and services, but they're actually selling projects. C can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, this is uh, another of these, uh, um, I believe, a, a very deep revolution. It's happening slowly and it has happened in our personal lives over past, I don't know, 10, 15 years, uh, where our personal life, uh, life has become a set of projects. In the past, you would meet people who would have like a job for life and they would just have one education, uh, like doctors or, or economists, they will do that for the rest of their lives. Today, that's not the case anymore. So our lives is a, careers, it's a set of projects. We move from job to job to job. Um, and the same for education. You have a program, but people keep learning and keep learning. So it's a set of projects. So that has happened uh, in our personal life. What I think it is, it's happening, it's very slow, but it's happening, it's going to happen very strongly, is that uh, organizations will start selling projects instead of products. Uh, in the past, a business will be built a product, develop a product, or bring it from somewhere else and sell it. That's not going to be the case anymore. Uh, I can give you an example, uh, and this is very recent. From last week, I was talking to a very senior uh, executive from the executive committee in Philips Healthcare. They call it Health Tech, is the new name. Uh, Philips just split up their business in three. One of the reasons because of their hierarchy of purpose. They were mixing up their purposes. So again, just reflecting uh, the previous idea. So what this person told me is that the aim of uh, Philips is not to sell uh, products any, long, any longer. Uh, I was a bit shocked because it's their nature to sell products. He told me we're going to sell projects. As from next year, we're going to sell projects. So if a government wants to set up a, a, a hospital, Philips is not going to long deliver only the products, the machines, the medical equipment. Philips will be helping the, the government with the build-up, the setup of the hospital, and the maintenance and the running of the hospital. So instead of selling products, they're going to sell projects. So of course organizations will continue to sell products and services, but it's a new way of looking at the process of selling, a new, new way of viewing the world. It's kind of a broader view of uh, look, looking at things and looking at marketplaces. So you were talking about earlier the, the example of Nike mm. and, and what, what, how yeah. that could 
be it, how that company could be affected by this change of perspective? Yeah, this is more a thought or a vision, uh, but just to make it concrete for the listeners is, is imagine Nike today and, and for many, many years, they've been selling shoes. Uh, but what if Nike says our new strategy is to sell projects? Our new strategy is to sell uh, projects to help you achieve some of your dreams, your aspirations. Uh, very frequently you will find people want to run the New York Marathon. Nike today will provide just the shoes, maybe the equipment, but, but what if Nike would say, we'll help you achieve your dream, we'll help you achieve your New York Marathon. And that will happen in nine months or 12 months, up to you to choose, but we're there throughout the project. Uh, it's huge, it's, it's just, it's so revolutionary, it's, it's, it's disruptive, it, it impacts everything. So they, in that case, they would be selling you the running shoes, other running equipment, uh, a Fitbit, and yeah. uh, a dietary advice, a program, etc. Yeah, I would buy it. I always wanted to run a marathon. I never found somebody who could. I would buy this if Nike would sell it. Uh, one can only hope Nike, Nike are listening, as they, as they almost certainly are. And so then you begin to look at, if you start looking at the world in this way, you talk, start thinking about a kind of a project life cycle rather than a product life cycle. Uh, that's a good observation, Stuart. What happens is that products become commodity very quickly. In the past, you could sell one product maybe for five, 10 years and just still keep a good margin. Today, with the the, the fast uh, cycles and, and it's easy to replicate and, and they can replicate cheaper. Uh, that has huge implications. The products become very quickly a commodity. So where is the added value? Where is the margin? It's on the product. No, sorry, it's on the project. Where is the, the added value? It's on the project. It's, it's when you wrap your products into a project and you include different experiences, different solutions, but I think that the future is around projects. So we're entering the kind of project economy. I call it the, the project economy. I also uh, would call it uh, the project driven uh, life. It's uh, everything around us, not just the economy. Uh, it's becoming a project. And, uh, I think we're probably doing this too late in the conversation. We should have done it at the beginning, really. How, how do you define a project in your, in your mind? How do you explain it? I, I, I tend to keep things simple. If you would go for a definition of project, you'll find very different, very complicated. I think a project has to have a clear uh, objective or a purpose. You need to uh, have a rationale for investing people, putting your limited time, uh, limited resources to achieve something. And uh, you can be doing a project for fixing a problem. You can be doing a project for trying to capture an idea. So a project has to have that clear purpose. If, if that's not clear, don't start the project. Second, I think there's a deadline. Projects don't go forever. I think one of the, the biggest tool of projects is that they have clear deadlines. They help to focus. If you have a deadline in three weeks, or tomorrow it will make you very much focus on that project. So deadlines are, are one of the key factors in a project, uh, as I will include it. There's a sponsor. A project needs to have a clear sponsor. Um, um, I talk about, for example, um, 
I was going to mention Brexit, but I should not. Probably not. No, better not. But the sponsor is, is key because it's, it's the one who's going to help you when you have problems. So often in mergers, for example, uh, the sponsor uh, is the CEO, the chairman of the company, uh, but just at the point of the sign-up of the merger, then the sponsor disappears. They're moving into the next big thing. They forget about uh, actually the value creation of a merger is when you actually merge and integrate mm. and you capture the synergies. So what, what goes wrong with a lot of mergers is, is from, from what you say, is that the focus is on the contract and the deal rather than the actual, if you saw it as a project, which has a beginning and, and an end, they're more likely to be better managed. Correct. And that's why many fail, because the sponsor just stays for the very small phase and they, they move on for the next one, yes. And you, you, you're working on something called the Project Manifesto. That's correct, uh, Stuart. I think there's all these elements, all these concepts, I think can be translated into manifesto. A manifesto which is, uh, I think it's just highlighting that revolution and, and the different impacts that is going to happen in, in our lives and the economy and the, the way businesses are run, the way, the way governments are running their countries. So uh, very soon I will be issuing the, the, the project manifesto. So welcome to the world of projects. Thank you very much, Antonio Nieto Rodriguez. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.